You are listening to the Not Your Average Autism Mom podcast, the number one podcast for moms just like you, raising an autistic child. How are moms like us who didn't plan for this unique parenting journey embracing life just as it is right now, instead of staying stuck in wishing, hoping, and dreaming it was different? That is the question, and this podcast, along with our Let's Talk Autism newsletter and our private sisterhood, will give you the answers. My name is Shannon Urquiola, and I have been traveling this journey for over two decades. I have been where you are. All right, stay with me, and let's get on to this week's episode. Episode 78, Having an Autistic Child is on the Rise. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to another episode of our podcast. So I'm feeling a bit feisty today, which probably kind of explains the title of this podcast. (laughs) To be transparent, I am going to be talking about the fact that autism diagnoses have increased significantly in recent years and what all of that means. But for me, and because our mission at Not Your Average Autism Mom and the work we do here is geared specifically towards parents, I thought that that title for this episode was just perfect. So my goal is and will always be that if you are a mom raising a child diagnosed with autism, that you never feel alone that you find your people and a place where you are safe and comfortable to be yourself. That is what our private sisterhood is all about. So if you are new to this amazing, unique autism parenting journey and you haven't found your tribe yet or that place where you can share things that you don't share with the outside world, please, we invite you to head over to our website at notyouraverageautismmom.com and check out all of the benefits that are available inside our private sisterhood. You know, with more and more families' lives being impacted by autism, we know that more and more moms, maybe you, will be seeking support along the way, and we want you to know we are here for you. So a couple weeks ago in episode 76, I talked about should you pursue an autism diagnosis? So if you're in that place and you haven't listened to that episode yet, definitely go back and listen to that one. And my hope with today's episode is that it will be enlightening And it will also help stop the rumors that I've heard flying around about there being an autism epidemic. Now, here is what we do know. We know that there is not one autism, right? You've met one person with autism. You've met one person with autism. Each individual with autism has their own individual unique strengths and deficits. Some children with autism suffer from medical issues like seizures or GI issues. Some don't. Many struggle with sleep disorders. But again, some of you lucky ones, your children sleep. I wasn't one of those. But some of you, your children have no problem sleeping. Some have intellectual disabilities. Some don't. 
We know that there is a vast range of conditions characterized by challenges with communication, social skills, behaviors. That is what we know. All right, so let's get on to talking about numbers. First of all, it is important to know that while it is evident that the rate of diagnosis has significantly increased in recent years, researchers only began tracking autism rates at the end of the 20th century in the year 2000. So let me take you back in time a little bit and share some numbers with you just to give you some perspective. So my son Jordan is 25. And when Jordan was diagnosed, he was five years old. The number was one in 158. Last year, that number from CDC, one in 44. Now, that is a huge increase, obviously. But experts tell us that this rise in numbers is a direct correlation of Two things, the increased awareness of autism, as well as changes that were made to the diagnostic criteria in the DSM-5 edition. So I'm going to talk about that specifically. Many changes came with the updated DSM-5, also known as the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Health Disorders 5th edition. That edition was published in May of 2013. That's the last one that was published. Now, one of the most anticipated changes, and this is just a little side note, a little FYI, but in that that new edition, they actually replaced mental retardation with intellectual disabilities. So that is when the charge for getting rid of the R word really began to thrive. And again, that's just a little side note of something that popped in my head because things like that happen sometimes. Um, The next thing was they combined autism, Asperger's, and PDD-NOS, or pervasive developmental disorder not otherwise specified, into one single diagnosis of autism. That was a big deal. Another topic that was high on the list of hopeful additions was the distinction of female presentation when it comes to gender-related diagnoses in autism. We know that autism often manifests very different in males than in females. But the problem was that prior to 2013, there wasn't enough known about the construct of how autism presents in females to outline in the manual at that time. What they did do, which was definitely a step in the right direction, was that they included a subsection on gender-related diagnostic issues. And I'm going to read this to you. So hang on. Give me just a minute. Let me pull that up. Because I want to read you exactly what it says. All right. It says, in clinical samples, females tend to be more likely to show accompanying intellectual disability which suggests that girls without accompanying intellectual disability or language delays may go unrecognized, perhaps because of a more subtle manifestation 
of social and communication difficulties. That's what it says. So we must continue to do research so that we can understand the gap in prevalence between girls and boys to ensure that girls on the spectrum will get the services that they need. Now, remember, that was 2013. So the great news is that since that time, there has been an enormous amount of research being done and continues to be done to determine whether autism manifests in less subtle ways in females and therefore may be misdiagnosed, right? Sometimes it may be misdiagnosed as anxiety or personality disorder, as well as the fact that it is believed that girls are better equipped to mask their social deficits and they present more socially normal as well as they have a greater capacity to compensate for their deficits. Now, we've always heard that girls are more mature than boys and they mature at a faster rate than boys. So maybe that all has something to do with it. So all of that being said, we definitely foresee more language in the next DSM edition to focus specifically on girls. And likely once that happens, the ratio of male to female in ASD will definitely decrease. Now, if you are a girl mom and you want to know more about autism in girls, go back and listen to episode 28 of this podcast because that's where I dive deep into all things autism and girls specifically. So we know that there isn't a blood test or a brain scan or a prenatal test that can identify autism. And the majority of medical professionals rely on thorough assessments to diagnose. So while the DSM-5 was deniably, you know, undeniably an improvement over the previous DSM-4, when experienced medical professionals and clinicians use standardized measures and well-validated evaluations, they will have the most accurate and reliable diagnostic decisions. But here's the thing. With the new criteria in the DSM-5, they also find themselves needing to focus more on the individual's earlier history because part of the new criteria is that when it comes to restricted and repetitive behaviors, those symptoms must be present in early development. So, That is where I am sure that professionals um, are challenged to diagnose adults with autism. And more and more adults are, you know, seeking diagnosis. But what happens is they have to go back to those early formative development years to see if the you know, certain things were present. And what happens is because there's such a big time frame and a time span a lot of other mental um, things can come into play. So here we are now in 2022, and there is undoubtedly more autism awareness than ever before, but we still have a long way to go. 
Studies show that parents who have been around someone with autism, whether that is a family member or at their church or maybe mom's a teacher, they are more likely to seek a diagnosis than other parents who have had no exposure to someone with autism. Now, another amazing thing that happened was in 2006, the American Academy of Pediatrics recommended screening all children for autism during their routine well visits with their pediatrician, both at 18 months and at 24 months. So that in of it, you know, in itself likely led to diagnoses for children who might have otherwise gone on undetected. The number of children who had a developmental screening before the age of three has increased significantly. And with that, we see progress towards earlier and more consistent screenings by healthcare professionals, you know, across the world. Two final factors that I want to highlight. The first is that widespread screening has greatly improved detection in ethnic groups who prior to the recommended screenings were less likely to be diagnosed, mainly due to the lack of access of services. So that's great news. The addition of the early screenings is also so very critical because we know that the importance of early intervention leads to better outcomes and increases the opportunity for individuals with autism to thrive. So you guys know, if you've been listening to me for any amount of time, I'm a huge proponent of early intervention. And um, the episode I did a couple of weeks ago about should you get a diagnosis you know, I really talk in there about what's the downside. You know, I mean, it's better to get an evaluation. It doesn't mean that it always leads to a diagnosis. But if you have concerns, definitely seek out your medical professionals. And lastly, the new DSM-5 also allows for multiple diagnoses, which prior versions did not allow for. And I think that this is really important because in my opinion and in all the research that I've done and read, I think that there were likely many people that were diagnosed maybe with ADHD or with ODD or OCD instead of autism because again, they couldn't, they weren't allowed multiple diagnoses. So this is important because think about how many of our children have comorbid diagnoses, right? Autism and ADHD, autism and OCD, or, you know, just a host of other combinations. Another thing to consider is that there are significant differences in diagnoses from state to state. So some are much lower than one in 44, and some are a lot higher. Experts remain convinced that this is simply due to how autism is diagnosed and documented in different communities. So here is what we do know. We know that differences will exist among even the most expert clinicians and medical professionals in their assessments and evaluations simply due to the differences in how behaviors are interpreted. Because think about it. After all, they are human 
just like you and I. I hope this episode was insightful and gave you some understanding into the reasons why the numbers of individuals being diagnosed with autism is likely on the rise. And hey, if you are new to us, maybe your child just recently got diagnosed, or maybe you are one of our moms who is on the fence and you're undecided about having your child evaluated. If that is you, just know that we know it can be scary. And getting a diagnosis is a finality of sorts, which of course is scary. It's uncertain. But we want you to know that that is all normal. I want you to know that there are more and more families that are raising a child or children diagnosed with autism. And we really want you to know that it isn't bad. It isn't terrible. It is just a different and unique parenting journey. And if that is what it is for you, accepting it and not resisting it will be the best thing that you can do for both your child and for yourself. All right, my friends, until next week, wake up each day grateful for what you do have and the life that you are living. And I look forward to having you join me again next week, same time, same place for another episode of our podcast. And hey, please don't forget, if you are enjoying our podcast, please stop and take a minute to write a review on your favorite podcast platform. We would really appreciate it. And our reviews are really important to us. And that is how we reach more moms just like you. Above all, remember, you are doing amazing at this mom thing. Hey, so if you are loving what you are learning on the podcast, you really should check out our private membership. Our Not Your Average Autism Mom community is where we dive deeper into all of the topics we discuss on the podcast and where you can get individual help and learn coaching tools that will make your life better every day when you learn to manage your mind. You will have access to all of our training and resources that you will need along your autism parenting journey. And you will develop relationships with other moms just like you, all raising a child with autism. It is my absolute favorite place to be. So head on over to the website at www.notyouraverageautismmom.com to get all the details. And please, if we're not open right now for new members, we only open a couple times a year. Be sure to join the wait list so that you'll be the first to know when we're going to open. I hope you do. I would love to work with you inside.